Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hey everyone, Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church again. Thank you for joining us for this second in the series really on growing. I'm going to introduce again the panel to you in a little while. Well, they're not really a panel. We just got together and we're discussing some of the things of the Holy Spirit. Because I think that there's a great hunger that I see growing more and more and more, particularly amongst the young people saying, how do I learn how to become a person in the spirit? Or how do I become, not even learning like I'll go to school, but because uh, there's a massive difference between Bible knowledge and knowledge about God and a knowledge like the Bible calls it where you know by experience. You know because you've walked the walk. And uh, so thank you for joining us for that. Uh, but before we do that, I always want to honor people's giving. We never let this moment go past, and it's not about trying to get people to give. It's about, I, I think, honoring the significance of people's gifts to God. No matter how big it is or how small it is, no matter what anybody else will assess it, the truth is that if it comes from your heart to God, God honors it. And uh, I think that's got to be the greatest thing. I want God to see that my heart is a heart of generosity. You know, you can't fool God. You can't pretend to God that I've really been generous when you're really reluctant to see it. Go, so thank you for being a generous person in your life. Not just generous in the house of God, but being a generous person in your life towards other people around about. And I think there's great blessing in that. So let me just pray over again. Father, thank you for each person. All of us are on a journey, Lord, and some of the things that might have seemed scary to us once. Lord, I remember the first time hearing about a tithe and God thinking to myself, well, that is such a stretch from everything I'd ever known. I'd grown up, Lord, thinking I'd give you my little bits of extra that you are asking me to put you first. And yet God had become one of the turning points in my life, a great moment. So thank you for the journey you're taking each one of us on. I pray your blessing over every home, over every family, over every life. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, greatly again to be here with some wonderful young leaders out of Metro Church. Some of them you know very, very well, of course. We start over here with Nikki Johnson. Now, I almost called you Nikki Blaine. Nikki Johnson. Nikki Johnson for sure. And Luke, what a champion Luke is in every way. And then on my left here, Michael Partha. Hi, Michael. How are you? Thanks, Peggy. Yeah, great. Looking forward to tonight. Jody, the star of Destiny Offering Video 2122. Uh, how cool is that? Great to have you with us. No, it's a pleasure. And Daniel, Daniel Nordo. Hello. Hey, how are you? Say something in Swedish. Uh, I'm hey, huge, man. Bobby Tata. Oh, what was that? Oh, thank you. Uh, let me just give you, first of all, a verse that might help you get some context of this here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. The Apostle Paul writes to a church that, by most theologians' uh, assessment, is one of the more mature churches of the New Testament. It's not a book that's filled with rebuke like First and Second Corinthians are or the Galatians were told, etc. It's one of those ones where it seems like they're, pretty, they're doing pretty well. But then he writes to them and says, but even though you're doing well, this is what I'm praying for you because there's more than what you've already got. And he says this, he says, I pray that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man or the inner woman, the inner life. And I want you to understand that because the apostle Paul is saying, for all the knowledge that you accumulate, thank God for it. For all the learning we're able to get, all the education we can receive, there's a part of us that only God can grow. There's a part of you that unless you go on the journey of, of walking with Christ, and I don't just mean getting born again, starting the journey, I mean continuing the journey. And if you missed that in our last session together, that was really one of the strong things that ran through it, is how do I pursue God? How do I go from being someone who got saved, knows that I'm going to go to heaven, knows that Jesus loves me, and then I'm in church? How do I become someone who sees the inexhaustible riches of Christ start to become real to me? In other words, how do I start walking with God? I don't know about anyone else, but for me, that is still the passion that drives my life. 
I don't want to go to heaven going, well, thank God I made it. I want to go there going, I, I began to plumb even what the Bible says are the unknowable and unsearchable riches of Christ, but at least I could start along that journey. And then he goes on in verse 17 and tells us why it's important that we get strong. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Think about that a minute. My ability to be able to hold strongly onto God is not going to depend on a past experience. It's not going to depend on my knowledge of the Bible and theology. He says it's going to depend on how strong I am. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So even my ability to be able to love people and have great relationship is somewhat going to come out of my inner strength, my inner ability. There's going to be some unlovely people and some unloving people. And unless you're strong, you won't be able to, to, uh, to help those people. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge and to be filled, and this is the bed at the end, which is kind of like the kicker at the end, to be filled with all the fullness of God. So I think it's a pretty important subject that we learn how do I build my inner life. If Mike was talking in our last session about going to the gym, pretty easy to go, not easy to do it all. It's pretty easy to go and you know, there's plenty of instructors. Plenty of people that can tell you, don't live like that, live like this, do it that way. But here's the deal. Uh, when it comes to our spiritual life, who do you go to? You know, there's a million people. So how do I get to that point where I start walking with God? So I can see you know, she's into question. Okay. So in our spiritual lives, we're now building this industry. So what are like the... Um, I'm going to use your gym example here. Great. What are the donuts that will inhibit us from being well, strong in our inner life? Great, great picture. <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. Um, there's a couple that are, are pretty easy pickings because the Bible makes it quite plain. Things like bitterness or taking offence. Uh, you know, that those kind of things can certainly block. Like Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, then the Heavenly Father doesn't forgive you. I'm going, that's a pretty big stumbling block right the way they're right there. But I would also say, in not in defence, but in a qualifier of that, Nikki, that sometimes I've spoken with people who were struggling to uh, forgive someone because they were weak on the inside. And they were susceptible. I think another thing is fear. And by fear, I don't mean like being afraid of the dark. I mean the thing that replaces faith. Um, I don't think that faith is a positive mental attitude, though I think a positive mental attitude is a, uh, what would you say, a demonstration, can be a demonstration of faith. Yeah. However, I think that faith of itself is a gift from God, according to Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. And we are told that every single one of us, Romans 12, we've all been given the measure of faith. So it would be a bit like you're a ballerina, <coughs> They could. So call you ballerina, by the way, or is it? Yeah, I mean, the term ballerina as, as, as a dancer is like the prima ballerina. They're the ones that, you know, I wouldn't maybe call myself a ballerina. I'm called But a ballerina. you can call me a ballerina. You are a ballerina. <laughs> for sure. But, you know, when you were a child and you began dancing lessons, there must have been a, a gift, a nascent gift, some kind of embryonic talent inside of your life, or you wouldn't be where you are now. However, what you did in all those years, following on from that, and all the times when you were in tears because you couldn't master a step uh, or a certain um, thing. But you persisted uh-huh. in that. Now, persisting if you were built like me probably wouldn't have helped. Let's just be honest here. You know, I just don't think I've got the bill. I'm not sure there are too many ballet dancers my build uh, so I might never have been able to make it but you took something that was in embryonic form and then you developed it mm-hmm. I think the same goes for faith I think one of the th- things that most powerfully strengthens your faith is using it oh, that's so good. 
I think the saddest thing in the world is when you see someone who's waiting for a big disaster to strike before they go, we're not going to put their faith again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and they're waiting for it. Ephesians 6, you know, find by my brother, be strong and Lord and in the power of his might and all the armor of God, etc. Take up the shield of faith, you know, play it, you know, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. But the devil doesn't wait for one day in your life to fire a match. I think you've always met you practically most days of your life, and you need to have it. When we talk about things like, for instance, condemnation, because I think that would be my number three, would be condemnation is not the truth. It's a perspective the enemy wants to believe about you, or wants you, sorry, wants you to believe about you. So that condemnation, and we don't, let's be honest, when I first became a Christian, I think, I must have overdosed on condemnation, I'm sure. It was like, I'd come to, I'd, be, I'd, be in, I'd be in church and I'd start like this. And then I'd start remembering the things I'd done that week that were not so great. And before long, I'm standing there, then I'm going, why did I even bother coming? Um, I don't fit here. They're all holy and I'm not. And that was a big stumbling block for me that stopped me getting strong on the inside because it would be a bit like every time you got up, someone hit you with a baseball bat. After a while, you'll find it easier to stay down. So I would say number three for me is that condemnation. And people think the answer to condemnation is I have to become good or better or get rid of it. And I go, well, in that case, there's no need for the grace of God and there's no need for the righteousness. The Bible says the righteousness which is of faith speaks. That verse changed my life because I discovered that when condemnation uh, attacked me, I'd, I'd go silent. I'd just, that's it. I wouldn't pray because I'd feel so unworthy. And then i go, well, the Bible says the righteousness speaks so of, of faith, so I'm going to pray anyway even though I feel terrible. And that, that's is, that, is that just about like willpower though then? Like because it's all about condemnation and stuff and that's something we face. No, I get. I understand that whole thing coming to worship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember I did five minutes ago, or like you know, I gave my brother the arcade, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, you love it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but how do? Well, I guess how do we go from you know being in that position or in that mindset, yes, and then kind of going, well, how do we walk into the truth of what, what God says? Because it, it can't just be willpower, right? It can't just be like. Ah, force myself to be in a different mindset. So I guess my question is, what can we do, or how do we practically, in that sense, go from condemnation into I guess what God's called us with? I think it's a great question, genuinely, because I think uh, there's a fine line between willpower and yet the Bible is full of the things that we are told uh, are our responsibility to do. You know, think of the number of times where Jesus said to people, according to your faith, be it unto you. Or where there was opportunity for them not to go. I think about Mark 5, where the woman who had the issue of blood pressed through and touched the hem of his garment. Garment? His garment. His garment. For she said, if I may touch by his clothes, I shall yeah. be made whole. Yeah. So she declared that even though nobody had ever done it before. Mm. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, put the seed of that thought into her mind, that's all you've got to do because she wasn't allowed to have someone touch her by the mosaic law. She was unclean and was anything she touched was unclean. Mm. So the Holy Spirit puts that in her mind. She does that and she spoke out what she believed. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 and verse 13 says, we having the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. And so it's a bit like the chicken and the egg thing, Michael. Which comes first? A positive mental attitude, faith. There's a meshing of them both together. And it's the same as there is for willpower and Holy Spirit promise. So I think the big difference is that willpower, it's all up to me. Whereas my response to God is to go, God, you said this. I don't have to make you do this. I'm not trying to, you know what I mean? Faith is not making God do something he's reluctant to do. 
Jesus said, fear not, little flock, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There isn't anything that you could ask God for that he would go, well, I'm just not interested. He's, he's not like that when it comes to healing. He's more willing to heal than we are to receive it. Sometimes the truth is the reason we don't see it happen is because we think, I've got to earn it. Mm. I've got to somehow rather get God to notice me. When none of that's true. Mm. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, do you think, I guess, to add on to that for us, I think if we go back to Mitchell and Marshall for a second, um, you know, it's, again, more power is good for the first two weeks, two, three weeks. Um, and then, <laughs> I really don't like waking up and something. Yeah, uh, and so, I guess, for me, what I had to do was go, um, what's what's my goal? What's my vision? Uh, and it says in, where exactly it says, but it says, you know, where there is no vision, people perish. Um, and I think it's, it, is, is that the same for, like, I guess, faith in that sense, really, if we lack vision then, um, is that, you know, for us, condemnation then becomes a little bit more real because we don't have any perspective or vision or purpose in our life. I, I certainly think Proverbs 29, 18, the verse you're referring to, definitely says that vision, and yet God doesn't ask you to make one up. I love what Nikki said earlier, maybe in the last session of this one, I'm not sure that God found me. And the truth is that for all of us, we, from our perspective, we're running after God. But he was running after us long before we were, you know, while we were yet sinners, Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So... I think for me, one of the turning point moments when I was in my early 20s was realising that I couldn't make God do anything. But instead of leading me to resignation or just going, well, it's all sovereign, which I hear some Christians talk about as though, you know, you can't really know because God will do whatever God wants to do. And sometimes people talk like, well, God, his will will be done. I go, no, because his will, we pray, Jesus said pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because it's not been done on earth. So there's a lot of things that God doesn't will that are happening right now. Think of marriage breakdowns and domestic violences and abuse. And none of that's the will of God. Wars on the planet, there's none of that's the will of God. But it's happening because we are in a spiritual contest in the earth. And there will come a day where that will be ended. The last enemy that shall be destroyed will be death. Uh, the scripture says so I know that there is that conflict and you and I are a part of that so it's not all God but neither is it all me there's a little bit of you know to a friend sure well exactly a partnership well that's that's why it says in in 1 Corinthians that you know we are co-workers together with him which again I don't know about the rest of you here. I didn't grow up in a church where they taught you that you are, you know, we was like, when I was a kid, we were taught to pray. Gentle Jesus, make a mild, look upon this little child, pity my simplicity. And I always felt a bit like God's up the game, oh, useless, but I'll, I don't, I don't, he's completely useless, but I love him anyway. You know, like, here my some object of God's pity. When that's, it's actually not what the word meant anyway. And it took me a long while to begin to take the what this book says. Because you said it in one of the other sessions. Really, it comes out of here. I don't think you can be a person of the Spirit if you don't become a person of the book. Because otherwise, all of your walk with God will be experiential only. You'll never get guidance out of that that says, this is what, you know, like, if you ask me, do I believe in healing? I go, yeah. You go, why? I said, because it says something. Because yeah. Matthew 8 says, he himself carried out infirmities in his body and the treatments. First Peter 2 says, you have returned unto the bishop or shepherd and bishop of your soul by your structure healed. And Matthew 16 says, these signs shall follow them that believe. I lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I believe it because it says it. And not because I've seen it, even though I have. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. So you're saying that you're saying that it's, it's not just about seeing the works of God, but you're saying I believe because it's it's true because it's written in the Bible. Sure. Yeah. So it's not just about a feeling, it's not just about emotions in that sense, but it's about I guess a faith that says 
And this is what God says. But it's also a matter of growing. I remember when one of my, um, I think it was my youngest daughter, you know, I bought a bag of, like, probably mix or something, probably weighed about 20 kilos. And I don't know why I said it. I said, I'll bet you 20 bucks you can't carry that. Well, she went and she, she was a child. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't dangerous. Um, and she picked it up. Yeah, she struggled with it. But if you went to her now and said, pick it up, she'd easily do it. So I think that's one of the reasons why Romans 1 verse 17 says we go from faith to faith. There are some things that for me right now, they're beyond what, what my head could believe it. Like as in, here's the difference between God can, God can do anything, which we all believe. But that's not the kind of faith that changes your life or anyone else's. Otherwise, I just sit back and go, God, when it's on to God. And I go, no, my faith has to grow just the same way. If I took you to the gym tomorrow and I said, lift 300 kilos, 300 kilos. Like press me in the if I said 400 kilos, you yeah. you know that probably you're going to tear something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Sure. And haven't you ever seen people that are spiritually torn because they tried to engage with something that they weren't yeah. capable of getting lifted? You go to the gym, they, they start to offer weights that you go, that Jesus. You feel like, what do you think I'm here? I don't do that. Yeah. But they understand you've got to build up to it. And I think it's exactly the same. Start with, you know, the first thing I think I ever prayed for for myself was a headache. I wasn't going for, you know, leprosy or a stroke <laughs> or something like that. It was something small. Yeah. Can God do anything? Yes, He can. But I need to grow my faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that we can, we can, I guess, practically work on hearing the voice of God. Sure. Sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I know I can go. Yeah. I think I had an analogy or some some pastor say you know, to work on hearing the voice of God what he used to do was um, he used to you know, we all drive a car and so he used to go to the lights and um, just before he gets to the lights he'd, you know, he'd pray and say um, you know try and you know, interpret what, what the light would be would be green or red and it's so simple right like it's that sounds so simple um, but I actually took that on board I was like I'm going to give this a crack like, <laughs> and you know for, for a good amount of time I think I did it for like a month um, and you know I built a little bit of you know, even even if it was just going, I'm just going to try and be obedient, God. I'm just going to try and listen, try and just hear. Like you said before, I think the earlier session with you was, you know, just quieting everything else out, taking everything else out. And so, I think more people thing. hear God though than than they credit. Mm. How many of us here have been in worship? For me, it's like I might have sung the song a thousand times. Happened to me on Sunday. Sing a song, and I go, I didn't get to that. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit goes bang on one of those phrases and you go, wow. So I think that's hearing God. I mean, we just don't. We're waiting for voice, you know, an audible yeah. voice. But you don't often get. I'm just wondering also, like, I think, I know earlier in my walk with the Lord, I thought to hear God's voice or to maybe even overcome a lot of condemnation and stuff. There had to be, like, a big event or a big like prayer or you know stuff like that um, but I'm just wondering like you were talking about creating a landing strip for the Holy Spirit um, and so in some sense like we do have some skin put in like we have to put some skin in the game um, but yeah what's like for starters what's a simple or a few simple prayers maybe like in overcoming condemnation or um, maybe even just hearing God's voice maybe from your own experience you could share some places where you started. Thank you. I, I think that for me, certainly Luke said this in the last session, you know, and I think it is at Luke 4 where, oh, it's called <laughs> <laughs> got a whole book made, don't you? Uh, you know, Jesus, as was his custom, went up to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, I think it's Luke 4, 15. Um, and he built a habit, and he was the only person that did it. So for me, church has always been a non-negotiable. I don't go, do I feel like going today? That's just never been my life since I got saved. Part of it was because when I first got saved, everything was so new and I was frightened of missing something. Hmm. I thought, 
That'll be the Sunday Sunday raises from the dead. I wasn't there. So I'm like, oh, I don't want this anything. I'm turning up. Plus a hunger to grow because I, I don't think I've ever heard a preacher, no matter how good or bad I just thought they were, that I never got something out. You could hear something. You should hear something. I'll never forget being at a conference once and they had a preacher there that was so slick. You know, just everything about him made my Aussie skin crawl. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sitting back there, being cynical and everything else, and going, yeah, you know, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I was. And I really felt in the middle of that, it was like, cut across all that, I heard the Holy Spirit say, who are you listening for? And I went, oh, look, I'm so sorry, I went here. And to this day, I can tell you what that person proved. And I ended up meeting them, probably said that a couple of other times as well. I had remained up coming to this church uh, to preach here once. And I remember I could have missed all of that if I hadn't been in the habit of going. I think that, I think reading the Bible and prayer, again, I think that gets totally messed up in some people's minds because they, they think it's got to look a certain way. I, I say to people, just read a bit of the Bible every day. However, on your phone, use a Bible, whatever, and pray now whatever works best for you. I don't mind if you pray the traffic lights or in the shower. Or, for me, I like being outside. Um, but whatever works for you to build that kind of a, a, a habit that Jesus, you know, again, it tells us that it was his custom to go and pull aside from the disciples for prayer. You go, what do you need to pray about? Don't you ever wonder what he was praying <laughs> Yeah. And before he chooses the disciples, he spends all night praying. I go, you're the son of God. You should know what. <laughs> like, hello, what, what is that about? <laughs> so there was an element of prayer for him that wasn't about work and not about just getting the, the job done and the result kicked in. There was an element of fellowship. Like, I think it's Colossians talks about if there be any consolation of the spirit. And too often we treat God like he's Santa Claus the one who's going to give us the answers, rather than going, like, look, look, you guys, how long have you been married now? Luke? <laughs> <laughs> that was I know, I was going to end up. Yeah, exactly. No, two and a half years. So you've been married two and a half years, and yet, how long did you date before you got married? About three, four years. No, I think we dated for two years, two. but we were friends for okay. five. Let me, and what did the time was? But if I said to you, but once you get married you stop learning something about your spouse, you go, hey, that's silly. <laughs> and the tragic thing is that some people come to Jesus, they've got their heaven ticket punched, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I go, that's a bit like, that'd be a bit like you guys going, that's it, sorry, I told you I loved you when I married you. <laughs> if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd be, that'd be crazy. You know, there's a growing in that relationship. And yet people come to Jesus and think, well, that's it. I've been in hell and I've been coming to church. I, I think there's nothing so sad as a Christian that stopped growing years ago. So I think that the landing strip idea you're talking about, things like becoming a person of positive speech, you know, again, read the book of Proverbs, almost every chapter talks about the power of your words. There's a life from the power of the tongue, those that love will eat the fruit thereof. Jesus said, by your word you'll be justified, by your word you'll be condemned. Mark 11, 23, 24, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sin, shall not doubt his heart, but shall believe the things that he says will come to pass. He'll know whatever he says. So the fact that my words are incredibly powerful ought to motivate me to change them. Now, Am I thinking that if I start saying God is going to give me a Bentley, <laughs> that won't make God do anything? But God doesn't ask me to do it. There's a lot of things God doesn't ask me to do because it changes God, it's because it changes me. You know? God doesn't ask you to worship because He needs it. He's not sitting out there going, I'm feeling so lonely and insecure. I just need someone to tell me, I'm going, Oh, you're amazing. 
That's not the right word. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> worship, worship is not about changing God, it's about changing you. Yeah. But we all with open face, behold, as in a mirror of the glory of the Lord. We are changed to glory and glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's about changing me. Did I answer your question? Connor? Kind of. I think you are starting to allude to it. Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, tell me again. No worries. Um, it was just, I guess, because we're talking about um, like overcoming condemnation, or, uh-huh. like hearing God's voice, and um, I guess the question was, you know, in like talking to okay. the or asking God for help or whatever. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah what are some, like, I guess, from your experience? Let me, let me tell you a funny story. Yeah. Because when I first got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm living with some pastors in their home on the border, and they have all these people coming in, and everybody was so spiritual. God said, God said, the Lord told me. I used to think, God, I must be thick as a brick. Because you're telling everybody everything, and I don't hear anything. And I literally used to pray and say, Oh, God, I must be deaf. God, you have to open the shout. I used to say to the Lord, shout, I can't hear <laughs> And I, I used to pray like that. And I remember the first time whenever the, this kind of changed for me, I was praying for a, a, an elderly man. And don't ask me why they asked me, because I was like, I'm down the bottom of the total pot if there was one. But I remember as I was praying for him, I kind of had this like a mental picture or something like that. So I went and asked my pastor, and he said, that's a word of knowledge. And I went, is it? I, I was hearing or saying something and had no idea. I've learned enough to go, you don't go and say, God said, when you're not sure. I now, even to this day, sometimes I think God is saying this. And so there was a, a learning process. And I'd love to tell you that once, you know, God, it's like a tap you turn on and God just speaks. I go, no, sometimes he doesn't say anything. That's part of the walk of faith. The answer to the condemnation thing, which again, I think, it's a big subject in the New Testament because it traps so many people. You know, the devil, the Revelation 10, you know, now the accuser of our brethren is cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testament. So we are told that one of the devil's titles is the accuser and the condemner. Uh, you know, so I know it's a big subject for a lot of people, and, and I used to think that the only answer to that was I had to become holy. So I'd read all the books of the holiness preachers and I'd try and be holy. And I could last being holy for about well, I think I've got really good. I could go for about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Totally holy before. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'd be in church and worshipping away, and then my brain gone to the beach. Yeah. My brain's gone to lunch. <laughs> my brain's gone everywhere, and then I feel condemned. No, I can't even. I can't even focus on God for a minute without my brain wandering. And then I begin to realise that the answer to condemnation is not perfection, because if it is. None of us will ever get that. The answer to condemnation is that I am declared righteous. First Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, Now he has made unto us sanctification and righteousness. So he made me that without me asking for it, without me doing anything to it. Ephesians 2, 8, you know, by grace are you saved through faith, uh, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. So in that sense, God gives it to me, and then he says, but I want you to hold on to it. Does that make sense? I have a question. When you talk about condemnation, like when you were just talking about, you know, you think about something, or you're um, in prayer or in worship, and you find your mind wandering. So obviously, this condemnation thing is something that's happening all the time. It's not just in moments. So would you say that these spiritual... Um, battles, if you like. Um, is that there for every single day, or is that for moments? Well, I think that 1 Thessalonians 5:23 says, "I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." So I know that I'm three parts, mm-hmm. and if God made me three parts, it's be out of purpose that He wants 
those three parts, they're his design. Mm -hmm. So God made me have a body because he wants me to enjoy the physical world. So I enjoy eating and I enjoy exercise and I enjoy all the things that go with that. I enjoy traveling. I enjoy seeing things. He gave me five senses so that I could enjoy it. Now, the problem is people make everything the body. But then he says, I've also given you a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So God gave me a mind so that I could think. They're not against the spirit. They're just another part of me. The problem is that we end up with a world where we have majored on the soul, people's personalities, or in their emotions. We're living in the most touchy-feely time that's ever been on the planet. You know, watch any interview anywhere, and how did you feel? Yeah. And you go like, as if that's the most preeminent thing in someone's life. But God says he made me a spirit. John 4, 24, God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So if he made me a spirit so that I can enjoy the spiritual realm, yeah. he made me have a body so I can enjoy the physical realm. He gave me a soul so that I can enjoy the soulish realm. But he gave me a spirit so that that can also be a, a, a place for me to understand and to enjoy if that makes sense. So I don't think it's um, Matthew 4, 11 says that the devil leaves Jesus and waited for a more opportune time. So I think there are some times when you will feel a pressure come against your life um, and then it will withdraw for a while and you will find a level of freedom. Um, I always say, because 2 Corinthians says, you know, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, etc. And I go, well, you will wrestle with you. No, it not. Now, you can go overboard and go in every day waiting for an attack. (laughs) I go, that's not a great way to live. Jesus didn't live like that. So, a thing like that, like, how, how do you, as a Christian, walk in that, in the spirit? And also, like I've been in situations where non-Christians have been freaked out by someone's behaviour or what someone said through maybe what they say was the spirit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's my question. How how do you how do you respond? And like I've heard so many people. Like, <laughs> I think it's, uh, to be really honest with you, I think sometimes it's just either ignorance or immaturity. Yeah. You know, it's, it'd be a bit like, have you ever seen someone who was trying so hard to be liked, they actually end up turning you off? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or they're trying to impress you so hard, and you just go, great, thanks. And I think sometimes people genuinely are wanting to um, demonstrate the goodness of God and so they'll say things that are just a bit too over the top. Ecclesiastes says the words of the wise men of the preacher were wise and they were heard. Sometimes you can say the right thing but it's the wrong time and you're saying it the way that people are here. Um, You know, I feel like it's all of so, you know, sometimes I'm telling everybody everything. We can act like I'm really doing Jesus' great favor because I'm really telling And people like that usually, unfortunately, turn some people off. I think that's sad. Um, I think that's wisdom because any knowledge you have, if you don't have it, it's like you can know how to drive a car, but wisdom tells you how to drive a car safely. Truth, it's going to be about the rest of the year. But when I was 17, got my license, I could drive. <laughs> Definitely no wisdom at all, which is why I think I wrote off a couple of cars. <laughs> so, in the same way, if you have knowledge but you don't add wisdom to it, you actually become destructive. Um, when I was a kid, I loved lighting fires. Sorry, everybody, uh, but I did. You know, I'm the paddock's on fire. <laughs> True story. <laughs> and uh, I, I knew how to do it, but I didn't have any wisdom. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's 
Yeah, how do you how do you bridge that gap between knowing what the like the right thing? I guess you're saying ignition, but what does that look in practical words like? As a, how do I know that I should say something to someone? Sure. Okay. Well, um, it's not a matter of should I say something. So if I feel prompted to, I would. But for instance, uh, one of my neighbours, I walk with the dog. Uh, tells me that he's had a certain medical condition that's just become prominent. Now I could go, oh, brother, these hands are registered <laughs> in the court of heaven. The Bible says they, I don't know why I do it in They shall lay it. And I could go full, I could go full penny on him. The dude is just going to go and run away and be my most likely. Right? Instead of that, I said, look, I'm not sorry to hear that. I said, you know, I'm going to pray that God will help you. And and I didn't I didn't say, because we're in the middle of the street, by the way. I didn't say, come on, just come on, come on. Just relax, because you know what he's doing. He's got his mind open, he's got I'm watching you. So I think that sometimes, you know, Jack is the way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Here's the other thing with that, Luke, is there isn't anybody that's infallible. No one I know is. I've been wrong badly sometimes. But I get, but God doesn't mind so if I the worst thing is to never try. You know, so I'd go, I'd rather make mistakes. Say, look, you know, um, would you mind if I if I pray with you? Um, I try and make it easy for people on heart. You know. Embarrassing someone might make you look heroic, but it probably won't help them. Kind of coming back to you spoke about being as growing in our relationships and stuff, and you spoke about you know, looking at you and then after being married as well. Sure. They stop growing. I guess that you could take this out if you want, but like, this is a, it could be slightly off topic, but. Um, I guess in terms of I guess growing with God, uh, and Luke kind of sees Nikki there, Nikki's present, Nikki's issue in that sense, um, and I guess that in that way you can see. Her. I guess for a new Christian or someone, even myself or anyone, like how do how do we go from I don't particularly see God right now, I don't see Him present like I see Master or or Nikki or Luke. Um, so how do we I guess navigate that? We don't particularly see that person, uh, whereas in friendships or you know, marriage relationships, you see that person right next to you. How do we navigate, I guess, being getting, trying to get closer to God, you know, build that in the life and that relationship with Him, um, with that physically? I think the, there is uh, there's a lot of things you can't see that you believe. You will go home tonight and you will press a piece of plastic on the wall. And a lot will come on. But if I ask you to explain how that happens, you probably couldn't tell me. But you just know that it does. And you believe it. And you never go in there going, oh, gee, I hope to know it. It worked last night, but I don't know tonight. <laughs> you go in there every single time going, if I press that piece of plastic, that lion bubble, yeah. you'll turn the television on and you don't go, oh, gee, I've got to ring up at the TV station. Tell them I'm about to turn on. Start sending out the words. <laughs> They're in the room already. And I would say you in exactly the same way the Holy Spirit is always with us. Yeah. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. So that's why I don't need music playing or anything else. You know, I went and prayed with a lady in hospital today. I didn't say, look, sorry, I pray for you, but I don't have someone keys. Um, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? unless the choir sings, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't we had have 20 minutes of worship. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I would go, He's always with me. He's not with me more because I feel he is. Mm-hmm. He's with me all the time. Mm-hmm. And he says that he is. Now, after a while, I would say to you, I become more conscious of his nearness than I ever used to be. I'm more conscious that he's here. And sometimes, even just talking about, I'll feel his closeness and I'm. I'm way less than what I could be, I'm sure. And certainly nowhere where the disciples or Jesus was, but 
I go, that's the reality. That realm is as real. If you try to explain to someone who's never heard television, do you know that filling this room right now, there are waves of all these TV channels you name all, and all the, they look at you and go, Really? Show them to me. <laughs> and they go, I can't see it. But you'd say, no, it's here now. What I've got to do is see, I get this thing called the television. All it is is a receiver. It's nothing else. It doesn't generate anything. And if I turn it on, and if I tune it to the right frequency, a picture comes up. I would say to you, when you are born again, you become a receiver. Yeah, that's good. All right? You turn that on, but here's the thing most people don't do, they don't tune it. So they sit there and the picture's all static, and they can't hear anything, and then they're going, they're going well, God's not talking, and they go, no, you didn't tune it. Yeah, come on. See, Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 14 says, it says, strong meat belongs to those of good age who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern both good meat. All right? So if I tune in, and that comes back, you've all been saying the same kind of a deal. The undercurrent of this, I know our time's gone, but the undercurrent of this is this thing of going, if what do you do when you worship your tuning? Oh, yeah? When I read the Bible, I'm tuning. Because most of us here, if we're honest, if I was to ask you what's trending on social media, you'd probably tell me a couple of things. Why? Because you tune to it. Yeah. Huh? If I ask you what's the latest trends in music, you could probably tell me because you're tuned to that. I wouldn't have caught it, but you might not. Or what's the latest Christian music trend? You could probably tell me because you're tuned to it. Why? Because you listen. How much Christian music do you listen to a week? Hours. So all I'm saying is, if you do the same thing with God and go, I'm going to tune, one day the picture will come crystal clear and you'll go, ah. And then from there on after, you're just going to turn it on. You go, that's it. So I don't wonder whether the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to be there with me. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you just turn on the receiver, yeah. isn't it? That's what you do. Yeah. And this comes back a bit, and I will finish with this. I'm pretty sure we've run out of time here. But Nikki started by asking about that question of how do you um, know and how do you, what stops you doing it? And I go, it's because we. We get off, you know, we bump the channel, we go off a bit and we get static, you know, and we need to come back and tune again. We're not, see, if I get all hooked up and worry, everybody can do it. If I get all worried about something, all I get static. I go, that's why 1 Samuel 30, one of my favorite passages of the Bible, 1 Samuel 30, uh, verse 5, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, and then he called for the living Nephi priestly garment, and then inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Will I recover all? The Lord says, Yes, pursue, and you shall without fun recover all. But I find it fascinating and insightful that David didn't go to God and say, God, 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 God. He first did quiet his soul, like you said earlier. Quiet his soul, and then he said, Now I'm ready to hear. I believe this, Michael. I believe God's always ready to speak. God is always ready to act. My problem is that if I'm tuned into the wrong channel, I'm not getting his voice at all. Mm-hmm. I'm getting everything else but. Okay. Amen. Amen. So, Leo, look, uh, thank you for all your questions, and I hope we've been able to help answer not only some of their questions, but some of yours as well. And we pray, you know, that this will become something that will help you and maybe something will, will kind of light up for you. Why don't you go back and listen to it again? There's a reason we keep all of these sessions on YouTube permanently so that you can go back again and again. Because I know sometimes it's a bit like learning a new song. You know, sometimes you'll learn the first time and you go, okay, I think I've got it. But then you've forgotten it a day later. Two days later, you've had that go again. Uh, And you need to hear it and hear it and hear it again. In exactly the same way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So uh, we pray that you will discover that wonderful experience of walking with God, that God becomes someone very, very real and and powerful in your life. If you've never made that decision to say yes to Christ, I would so encourage you to say yes to Jesus. You can ask Daniel in a minute if you just pray. 
uh, for every person here that wants to give their yes to Jesus. And please listen to me, it's not, don't dismiss it as, well, that's too simple. Because, you know, when you guys got married, I don't remember being complicated. You said, I call upon these persons here present witness that I Luke, you take you, Nikki, and my lawful little wife. And you Here said, <laughs> but what you're saying is, it was so easy, but your entire life changed because you said something. Yeah. In exactly the same way, giving your yes to Jesus will totally change your life. It's powerful. And uh, we'd love you to do that. I'm going to ask Daniel to pray for those of you that are wanting to say your yes to Christ. And Remy, I don't think, well, yeah, but I'm not in a church building at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm here at home. That's okay. Jesus is there and he'll listen for your yes. So I'm going to ask Daniel to pray and then I'll come and tell you how we'll help you after that. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that uh, these people uh, have their hearts closed, but they but then you're knocking on their door and they open up the door and welcome you inside. And this is a life-changing moment here where they're saying their yes just with a simple message, uh, just with a simple yes to you, God, and it's filling them with the Holy Spirit, God. And I thank you that their the journey begins here as a rebirth and as a as a strengthening for them and the strengthening that we've all here on this panel have gone through uh, and still walk in. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You know, we would like, if you would like to send your yes, by the way, I know you've given it to God, but we'd love to be a part of your journey in helping you. And what we'd love to do every day is to send you a Bible verse and a prayer, different every day, that will help encourage you in your walking with God. And uh, so if you would like to send that, yes, if you're in Australia and you'd like to get it by text and come to you, it just fits one screen of the smartphone, uh, then it's 0488 826 392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get it by email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Of course, if you're with us on the metrochurch.online platform, the yes button's there for you and you can just click on that and uh, give us your details and we would love to be a part of helping you and growing in your walk with Christ. I pray that these growth sessions are inspiring you, helping you, they bless me, I've been blessed out of this tonight of being able to share with these people. We pray that God bless you. Don't forget, you're always welcome actually at the building here as well, at the corner of Beaufort and Aberdeen Streets right here in Perth. Uh, but however we get to be together, God bless you. We'll see you sometime soon.